0: Hey, everyone, it is Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival. Welcome to podcast episode number 210. Now, there are so many articles out there about how to survive an SHTF event, a shit-hits-the-fan event, that focus on what is affectionately called urban survival strategies. But is urban survival really a thing? I mean, who the hell wants to live in a collapsed city filled with gangs, looters, and Mad Max warlord tribes patrolling the streets with their spiked hubcaps and flamethrowers mounted to the back of their pickup trucks, right? Well, frankly, I find urban survival to be such a misunderstood factor in most survival plans that I've decided to tackle the topic of urban survival tactics the entire month of September by breaking it up into four major areas, shelter, food, water, and security. And this week, I'm going to dive into your best urban survival shelter options for an SHTF event. Now, don't worry about taking notes because we've done all the heavy lifting for you with this week's free downloadable show notes, including a handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet covering all the highlights from today's broadcast. All you need to do is go to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 210 and grab it all absolutely free. And now, let's talk urban survival shelters.
1: Tactical Firearms Training, Urban Survival, Close Quarters Combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival.
0: Hello everyone, I am Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance. With another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and and a patriot. And anytime that we talk about like the reality of a shit hits the fan collapse, one that I'm talking about drastically changes life as we know it, there are basically two different camps of prepper responses out there. There are those who take the the rural approach with living in areas that that don't have a large population around them and they can be self-sustaining. And then there are those who are living in and around more urban areas that will have to deal with like an entirely different set of circumstances and challenges and how you prepare for each one of those places where you live or where you are going to perhaps retreat during an a, a true collapse type event is really it, it, how you prepare for those things is going to matter on the resources that you have in each of those areas. Right. And there is a different set of, of resources available in rural areas like out in the wilderness or the country Um, or there's, then there is in suburban and urban areas, right? So obviously you, you don't prepare for each of those the same. Now, as I said earlier, it's the second option of urban survival that I think is really the most misunderstood out there in the prepper space. And for a couple of reasons, one, there are those who don't live in urban areas and don't think they need to know urban survival skills. Like they, you feel protected I'm not in an urban area. I don't have to worry about city living. I don't have to worry about looters and anarchists and, you know, people tipping over, uh, police cars and setting them on fire. I don't need to worry about those things, right? And then there are the other ones who tend to throw urban survival skills in that same, that same pod as like zombie survival, right? And it's passed off as like a fantasy prepping approach because no one ever really wants to like try and survive in an apocalyptic city filled with gangs and, and, Mad Max warrior tribes and things like that. Right. But the reality is that urban survival skills are a very real set of tactics that you must know because you never know. I mean, if you already live in an urban area, you always need to start your prepping plan from where you currently are and with what you currently have. So if you're in an urban area already You might be forced to survive right then and there, and most likely you are going to stay right there, and you are in an urban area. But even if you live in a more rural area, okay, you don't know when you may find yourself in an urban area, and you need to survive in that environment. It could be that you are currently traveling and you're trapped in a city. Now, some of you have heard me talk about my friend Adam, who in the past, uh, during a hurricane, was in New York City. I don't remember if that was Sandy or I don't actually don't remember which hurricane it was right now. But basically, he was traveling to New York City. The hurricane hit. There was really no place for him to escape to when he was there. They didn't think it was going to be all that bad. Whatever his bad decision making was, he was trapped in the city during that hurricane. There's all sorts of things that happened to him when he was doing that. So you could be traveling at the time and then trapped in a more urban environment. There could even be urban hordes that make their way out to your area. So they try to escape the city because of conditions that are there. And all of a sudden you have more people living in your area and there's all sorts of problems that that can come as a result of that, which include you may be forced from your home. Now, that could be because of the disaster itself or you need to travel, you know, leave your home because there are threats in the area that move you out of your home and you need to maybe travel to or through urban areas even if it's just for resupply or medical attention and things like that, right? So especially if you live in a more rural area, if you really need medical attention at a local hospital and, and the one near you isn't, isn't doable, you might have to travel to a more urban area to get to medical attention. Those are just some examples of, what, of why even if you don't live in the city, why you still need to know these kind of skills. So to kick this month off with a set of urban survival tactics that you can use right away in your plan, the first thing we have to discuss is your shelter. So today I'm going to go over the six best urban survival shelter options that you should consider if you find that you need to stay in the city environment, whether that's for a day, a week, or a month, or longer. All right, so... The first one I'm going to go over is going to be, and I'm going to start with the most obvious, right? So the the most obvious is your home or the home that you're staying at or can stay at with friends that are are in an urban area. So it might be whether it's a planned retreat that you have, whether it is where you currently live in a more urban environment. Um, In any case, you're in a home that is you know who the owners are you're in that area and the advantages of this are that it's easier to fortify and defend something that you already have control over that if it's your home right like so you have locks on the doors or you know you you have the ability to fortify that home on the inside right um the problem with this is that you should never really look at your home as a fortress okay is it more easily to def- is it is it more easy to defend yes it is with certain you know certain things that you do to fortify it. But all it really takes is a Molotov cocktail to force you out of your home. Right. I mean, most people have like wooden homes or the uh even if it's just the roof, maybe even you're a brick building, but the roof is made out of wood and shingles and things like that. Then, you know, we've seen that people like mobs and looters and gangs, uh, fire is a very formidable weapon. It doesn't require a, uh, bullets or anything like that. So you can easily be forced out of your home and you have to be very careful about that. Um, the other advantage of it is that you can, that you know, your geographical location, you know, your entry and exit points. You'd most likely travel them all the time. So you're familiar with that area that makes the, a home or your home a, a better, you know, more advantageous tactically there as well. Okay. Um, The, but you've got to make sure that you, um, there are certain precautions that you need to take because there is this overconfidence. It's one of the biggest disadvantages of your home or, you know, someplace like a friend's home or something like that is that you have this overconfidence that you're going to be able to defend this location. And as you said, there, there are all sorts of things that can force you out of that fortress of a home, right? You could, it could be the natural disaster. It could be that gangs are starting to form in the area and they are, um, possibly going, you know, you don't want to be there because things have heated up. It could be that martial law is taking effect, right? There could be gun confiscations. There could be any sort of thing, any sort of things that happen socially within the framework there that might, you might decide that there's a safer place outside of that home. You could also be outed as a prepper. So neighbors that know that you are into prepping, if you, if you didn't take into account operation security, Um, all of a sudden you could have a bunch of people begging at your door because they know that you have food and water. So any of those things might be, might force you to take an alternative look at another location, right? So let's talk about what those really are. Okay. So number two on our list of the top six is your vehicle. Okay. So the advantages of this is that your vehicle really is a shelter. Now I've done a whole podcast on bug out, bug out shelters, um, where you can go if you have to bug out. And one of those was just you being able to use your vehicle. And look, there are homeless people that live out of their cars, right? Especially like new homeless people. You lose your home, but you still have your vehicle. You find a lot of people who um, that are homeless that started by living out of their vehicle, right? That was what they had. So it really is a shelter, right? You own it. You have locks on it. Um, Hopefully it's mobile, right? Um, so that way you can get out of an area quickly if things do turn bad. So you can, you can move your house with you, as an example. You can store more stuff in there, right? Than you would inside of a bug out bag backpack. So it does give you more opportunity to have more resources available to you. It's also, it's also smaller, so it's easier to hide that vehicle. You could go into a parking lot somewhere. You could go behind a building. So it's smaller. You can hide it in different places. And also because it's smaller, it's easier to keep warm. You have a smaller, uh, you have a smaller living area inside of there. So whether it's body warmth that's keeping you together or even just a candle that can keep the interior warm if you're in a colder climate, there are ways that you, inside of a smaller shelter that you can keep that warm. Okay. The disadvantages of using a vehicle, there aren't really a lot of them. Um, it's not a, as much storage room as you would have inside of a building. Right. So as far as a long term storage place, you are going to be limited with what you can carry in stock in there. So sizes can be a benefit or it can be a disadvantage. All right. The other thing is that if depending upon what the scenario is that you are in, if there's no gas, you have no mobility. Where you are is where you are. OK. And the other thing is that people can start going through vehicles if they see, if they're looking for resources that could potentially make a vehicle that's out in the open. Um, a possible stop for somebody that would come and take your stuff. Potentially, if you're in there, that could also attack you, right? Okay, so those are some of the disadvantages. All right, let's talk about number three, which is abandoned buildings. Now, the advantages of this are that you can be more tactically advantageous than where you currently are. So it might be that when you're looking at your home as a shelter-in-place option and things start heating up, Maybe that doesn't have like where you where you purchased your home or where you're staying, where you're renting or even if it's an apartment, especially if it's an apartment. Right. Because you're around a bunch of other people. um, You most likely didn't didn't buy that or rent that place because of its tactical advantage. Right. So now you have to look at it from a different perspective. And it might turn out that you are not in a tactically advantageous location. Again, apartment building is a really good example of that. You're basically stuck in the middle of a bunch of people who, if they're not prepared, you're 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 really in a condensed environment there, right? And things can really get out of get out of uh, control there, and you don't have as many entry and exit points and things like that. So, um, so that's that's one thing um, that you need to worry about with with those types of areas. Um, but you might need to you might be able to go to an abandoned building that is more tactically advantageous than where you currently are. Okay. Um, the other thing about abandoned buildings that there could be leftover rations there. So if it is a true event that like there's a grid down blackout, something that really does change life as we know it overnight. But businesses don't really come back on on board. Right. So there's people are just basically trying to survive. There could be leftover rations in the building that's left there, whether that is in cafeteria rooms, uh, dining rooms that they have there vending machines, there could be resources there that you might be able to get to. Same thing goes for water and other useful items. So even if people were living in a home and they leave the home, they might be only only be able to take certain rations with them, right? They pile it on the car, they grab as much as they can, but they leave some behind. Uh, same thing with water. They might not realize that there is water in other areas of their home that they weren't able to get to, or they didn't know that it was there. And we're going to talk about that during the uh, the urban survival water um, scenario there. But there could be other useful items that you could get there, whether it's tools, weapons, things that you can turn into weapons. There are those things that might be in abandoned buildings as well. Um you just want to make sure that they are also structurally intact. So a truly abandoned building like a home that's been there forever, especially if it's gone through a disaster of any kind, the the structural integrity of it might not be very good, so you need to be careful. You might be you might be going into something that is a danger zone just by the nature of it. Okay. The best options when we're looking at abandoned buildings um, tend to be things like schools, if schools are not coming back into session. Uh the other good thing about schools is that they have cafeterias. Uh, there are lots of different rooms that can be used there. There are lots of different out of the way rooms that even, you know, people don't really know about in schools, whether that's maintenance rooms or other areas of the school. Uh, libraries are another good option. Some older libraries that were built like during the 50s, and this includes schools as well, oftentimes have bomb shelters in basements that you might be able to access that will have living area, there for you to use and, uh, provide you perhaps some, some additional protection depending upon what you are, um, basically dealing with, right? Churches are another potential option. Uh, they oftentimes have food pantries there. Um, again, if, if it's an an active church, they might be using that to shelter other people. So that is another option as far as, you know, if it's a short-term duration of a, uh, of an event, then you might be able to go there and actually get help from the church, you might be able to get food from them, just from their food pantry. So there are those options as well. Some of the disadvantages of abandoned buildings, um, uh, they can be kind of, they can be, uh, basically you might think that they're, they're vacant and they're not, right? So you might not be the only one having this thought. So you, you need to really not assume that they're vacant. They may already be in use, and and you really want to look at it like you're, you're clearing the building like you're in a war zone, right? So you really want to make sure that you go through every room in that building to make sure that you know that there's other people there or not other people there, um, looking for resources while you're out there doing it, looking for signs of other people being in that area that will let you know whether it is, currently being trafficked, even if there's nobody there, whether or not you're going to have to deal with people that are coming by the building. You're looking for something that truly is abandoned if you can if you can find it. All right. The other thing is that looters will go through abandoned buildings at some time looking for goods. So you really need to make sure that you have areas that you can defend inside of there. You have entry and exit places that you can you can extract yourself if you need to. Um, you're also looking for something that's already either looted or not doesn't look like it's worth looting okay so if you go to some place that is um somebody that you know like they've left their home they've evacuated the area but it's a it's a nice home well looters are looking for nice homes they're looking for things that they can steal as well as other resources that they might find there so that's not really what you're looking for same thing goes for um, you know, the local 7-Eleven might not be something that, uh, you know, it might not be something that's going to come back in to uh, you know, in the business anytime soon. But you also know it's one of the one of the places that oftentimes gets looted. Right. So you have to be very cautious about what you pick as far as an abandoned building that you can get into. All right. OK, that's one through three in our top six urban survival shelter locations. And I have three more coming up for you here momentarily, including the one urban location that my military unit uses a home base for several days. Smack dab in the middle of a war zone, uh, secret doors to secret places in the city where to find them and what they offer. And finally, the scariest place to be in the city that may be the best location for you. Stay away from threatening mobs or unprepared citizens. All that and more coming right up, but first, check out this special message.
1: In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug-out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival, don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show.
0: Okay, we're back with our list of the top six urban survival shelter options that you should consider in an SHTF collapse. And now we will start to get into some of the the lesser known options that are out there, like number four, which is parking garages. Okay. Now in in combat, I can tell you that my entire unit one time used a parking garage as its home base. And there were many advantages to having this space there. So some of the advantages of looking at a parking garage as a potential urban survival shelter is that it can give you high ground perspective. Okay. So if it is a, a taller structure in an urban location, Having high ground perspective can give you a bunch of tactical advantages. So you can get a better view of the city. You can see where there is smoke rising out of the city. That might be areas where there's more uh, civil unrest in those areas. People are setting buildings on fire. There's more things happening there. You can see more avenues of escape. So you can see when people are coming in your direction. You can also see where your areas of escape are um, as well. Um, so those are some advantages. The other thing that is, these parking garages are made of concrete, so they can provide good cover for you if you do have to defend from that area. So there's concrete walls, there's concrete pillars, there's all kinds of things there. Um, there's also multiple entry and exit options for getting into and out of most parking garages. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about really public parking garages. Okay. So, They're usually very open on every single level. They're not really enclosed all that often, so you might be able to rappel out of the side of it. You might be able to get to another building from on top of the building. I've I've been in several parking garages and there are walls that you can basically jump onto another uh, building's uh, roof nearby very easily. Uh, They could also have vehicles inside of there uh, that could provide you shelter inside of the vehicle itself. They could also have goods to use inside of those vehicles. Um, There are also power rooms and even elevators that can be used as temporary shelter because they can provide concealment for you, but also be a smaller area that if you need to keep warm, you know, concrete open area structures of like a um, a parking garage are not necessarily the the warmest area. So if you can get to a smaller area that you can keep warm and and hunker down in, uh, that's going to help you as well. Even even elevators in those areas can be, you can pull the, the doors apart and get inside of those to be able to keep warm inside of there. All right. Now some of the disadvantages of parking garage is that there could be high traffic in there. If vehicles are still being used, um, if vehicles are around, again, they could be looter magnets out there for for people that want to go scavenging. So it's really best to to set up lookouts. If you are looking at, a, um, a parking garage as an option, make sure that you do have lookouts, you're using perimeter security or have, have early warning systems that are in place there as well. All right. All right. Number five on our top six list are subways and tunnels and all subways. Like if you ever like been in a subway or an L train or anything like that and you're going through a tunnel or even if you're driving through a tunnel, no doubt you've looked out there and you've seen these doors that somehow just seem to be stuck smack dab in the middle of the of the wall there. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Usually these are interior rooms for technicians or maintenance personnel. Engineers, there might be communications equipment or um, heating, uh, ventilation, air air conditioning systems are in there. But those are the areas that I'm talking about. Now, most people don't even really realize that they're there. And we're not really only talking about like New York City when we're talking about subways, because there are several cities out there that either have a subway structure or you know, back when when subways were becoming popular, there were there were cities that were trying to put in, in place a subway system, but maybe it didn't work for their city. Uh, Cincinnati is one of those cities and and Rochester, New York is another one of those cities. Now, those aren't places that you normally think of as bustling metropolis areas. I guess, you know, Cincinnati is Rochester. I know Rochester from, you know, when I lived out in in upstate New York. But these aren't places that you would really think that there was usually like a subway there, right? Well, Cincinnati has an abandoned subway system. Rochester, New York, uh, there's closed down in the mid-1950s. So there are abandoned passageways and things like that, entrance ways that you can get into these subway systems along the way there. Now, the advantages of subways and tunnels is that they aren't really well known that these areas even exist, right? So people aren't going to necessarily think of that as a location to go to as a as a potential shelter. The other thing it offers you is that there is an underground travel network in these tunnels and and subway systems. Sometimes there are offshoot tunnels or tunnels that aren't being used anymore that you can get through to. And what this does is it basically allows you to travel underneath the city in some cases so that you can bypass dangerous areas of the city. All right uh usually there are entry- there are exit doors coming up to the top about every twenty five hundred feet or so inside of a tunnel system uh meant for that purpose like if a a subway goes down if the if the if the car goes down if it breaks down or whatever people can get out of there they can get to other they can get out of the subway um safely by using some of these exits that are that are there all right um some of the disadvantages of those areas there are electrical currents in these rails if there is power and I'm not just talking about the 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 so-called third rail not so called but there's a third rail that mostly subway cars generate that's where they get their power from that's usually covered by like a white um usually has like a white cover on it to try and protect people but there can be electrical current in any of the rails even the ones that the that the subway cars are on so you want to make sure that you're not stepping on the rails especially if you have kids around you know, they just like to step on those things, so you gotta be very careful about, you know, make sure that people know that those can be very dangerous, alright? Also, those doors to the, like the maintenance rooms and things like that, they're gonna have lock systems in there. They're not gonna be, that they're gonna be heavy metal doors, it's not gonna be easy for you to just break it down. You're gonna need to know how to pick locks. And that is a worthwhile skill that everybody, I think, should know, especially for urban survival skills. And it's something that's really not all that hard to figure out, but it does take some practice and it does take you knowing how to use it um, You know there are lock pick kits out there, and I will put some in the uh, a link over to some in the show notes there what you can use to learn how to uh how to pick locks there. but you might need to do that okay the other limit the other limitation of subways and tunnels is that you could be limited on the exit routes that you have, as I said, there are typically Exits to the, uh, to the top side about every 2,500 feet or so. But you're talking about over, you know, about 750 yards or so. Okay, so that's not, that's not like, they, that could be pretty far away. So if you're in a tunnel, you might only have that, you know, one way left or right for you to get to one of those areas there. Okay, so you've got to be very careful about it. It's harder to kind of, um, You know, conceal your route in and out when it's areas like that, unless you get to know the entry and exit points from topside or other areas. And the best way to do that is from inside the tunnels themselves. All right. Okay. the final one, number six on our top six list of uh, urban survival shelter options are graveyards. And I'm also going to throw parks in there as well. Now, the advantages of of this is that there's really not a lot to loot in a graveyard, right? So you don't have to worry necessarily about roving gangs of people coming through looking for stuff. Uh, same thing goes for parks, unless there are like food stands there, if it's that kind of a park. But I'm talking about more of the larger parks that you can get to that are really kind of a green, you know, greenscape areas. Okay, so... Um, those areas and a lot of graveyards as well often have water access. I'm talking about like larger graveyards that have these beautiful surroundings there. There could be ponds and lakes that are there as well. There could even be fish in those types of areas, right? Um, so they often have water access and they might even have defendable areas in there. For example, in graveyards, well, graves can be, um, they can offer you some cover there to be able to use for, um, you know, for defending against there, for defending against other people. So it does, it is going to offer you some bullet stopping cover if if it's needed. Okay, it's also easier to hide there at night. So in greenscapes and in the graveyards, a lot of times you have more trees there, you have darker areas. There aren't typically um, in those wooded areas and graveyards. There aren't usually like lighting inside of those areas, so you can move around area. That's one of the problems with urban areas is that. You've really got to get in those shadows and darker areas because there could be street lights that are going to be on. Uh, graveyards and, and parks really don't have that as much. All right. You can also find other uh, uh, areas that you can hide at night, like under shelters or picnic tables, um, inside maintenance buildings that are in there. There could be like maintenance shelters, even if it's just for lawn care, uh, you know, stuff like that. So, um, So those are some of the advantages. Some of the disadvantages... Stealth is really your best tactical advantage because these areas don't really have a lot of covered shelter for you to be able to get into and defend from. Again, they might have something like a, a landscaping shed that's out there that you can use. Um, that's that. Those are good options, but they're not easily de- defendable, right? So it's easy to break into them. It's usually made out of wood uh so it's not it's not going to be easy to to defend against those types of things so it doesn't offer you that kind of of cover necessarily stealth is really your best option there um you'll probably need to you probably not be the only ones thinking about parks um so graveyards you might might have a better option there but the bigger the park the better right so other people might be looking to go there um as that kind of go off into the wilderness, so to speak, but it's not really the wilderness. If they're looking to get away from urban areas, they might go to the larger park. So you might have other people that are going to be out there. All right. Positioning is going to be really, really important, making sure that you have a tactical advantage to the location that you do choose, whether that's high ground or near some kind of cover. Uh, Make sure that you know your egress and and ingress and egress routes and, and things like that. All right. So those are the top six options. Now, a great exercise that you can do right now to really kind of figure this out and make this part of your plan is to get a map of your closest city that you consider like an urban center that's closest to you that you might have to deal with there or might have to get to okay so what i want you to do is break out a map of that city and and it can be a road map that's that's really kind of what you're looking for here and start by looking for those areas that fit the criteria that we just reviewed so look for where the larger parks are um look for graveyards that are out there larger graveyards especially if it shows that there's water where those graveyards are um look for subway entrances uh look for schools look for libraries the buildings that you can you can find that if they do go abandoned they could have the resources and the and the shelter that you need there um, those are going to help um I mean, the map is going to be able to help you locate those types of things Your next step then is to start driving around your closest city. Now, again, you might not be, this might not be the city that you are going to be in, in after an event or traveling through, but it's going to get you to look at the city through different eyes. And that's really what you're looking for. And it's best to always do that with the city that you're closest to. But as you're going through, look at it differently. Take your map with you and highlight those areas that have possible, like where are there abandoned buildings, maybe strip centers or even malls. Sometimes there are abandoned malls in different locations. Um, parking garages that you could use as shelter in a pinch, start to look for those things that have ideal tactical advantage for you as far as locations or where they're at their proximity to other things like police stations or medical facilities, because it might be a situation where you live in a rural area, but you have to travel into the city for medical attention. And while you're in there. Going to that hospital, where would you be able to reside if if it wasn't an option or if it was too dangerous to be near there? Um, you might have to go into the city just for a short stay, but you might be able to find like a parking garage or an abandoned building that you've already got pre kind of pre-picked out. So that if I need to go into the city and get medical attention, here is where I'll stay. That's going to be option one, have a backup option number two in case that one ends up that it's going to be taken. But. Anyway, the whole point here is for you to start to look at the city in a totally different light. Okay, so it's a really good exercise for you to do with nothing is more than just um, a map and getting in your car and taking a trip into the city. All right. so that covers shelter. Now, next week, what we're going to do is we're going to cover the topic of urban survival food options that you can find. All right. Okay. That's all coming up next week, but now I want to hear from you. What are some other potential urban survival shelters that I didn't think of that you would also add to this list? Or are there some advantages or disadvantages that I didn't think about with my top six list? I want to hear from you. Make sure that you go ahead and go over to the blog and leave a comment there with your best urban survival tips. All right. And until our next modern combat survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying, prepare, train and survive. <tripe> oh, <noise> my